Friends, will you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. What do we remember when we look at the cross? Specifically, what is it that we consider when we see the cross? The cross, it adorns buildings and graves. We find it on the back of cars, often accompanied by a pithy phrase, and it hangs from both the necks of the faithful and the fashionable. Sometimes the cross ends up in peculiar places, like painted red on a white backdrop denoting the location of a blood drive. When a church closes and the building is then repurposed into a performance center or a brewery or a bar, there's usually a cross or two that remain. It's usually a cross that is artfully crafted into the fixtures itself that survive the renovations. In fact, I remember just out of college going to Philadelphia to visit a friend. We were going out to celebrate his acceptance into medical school. The bar we went to was a former church. So there I was, ordering my gin and tonic from a bartender standing in front of a stained glass window with a golden cross at its center. Sometimes the cross ends up in pernicious places, like set ablaze in the churchyard of an African-American church in Texas, or when the cross is held high above a painted protest sign that reads, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. There are quite a few places where the cross is in a position to cause harm rather than healing. Occasionally when I see the cross, I find myself saying, oh no, that doesn't belong there. Like when I see it emblazoned on an American flag. The cross finds itself into spaces and places that surprise me. This was the case when I noticed a very delicate cross set on the mantle of a friend's front door. It's as if that cross kept watch over all who entered and exited through that door. Crosses are painted, hung, carved, and yes, even tattooed in places that surprise me. Crosses they exist in all shapes and in all sizes. They're made from precious metals and stones. They're fashioned from recycled materials and whittled from scouts earning merit badges. Crosses are plain and unadorned, except for the brown hue of the wood. Crosses, they are elaborate and stylized like the Ethiopian cross with its many latticework patterns representing life everlasting. Some crosses even tell stories. 
the Calvary crosses of Brittany in the northwest of France. These massive crosses carved from stone convey the entire passion story itself so that the viewer can look at the base of the cross and follow Christ from the Last Supper all the way to the top, to Calvary itself. What is the significance of the cross? Christians and non-Christians both hang it around their necks and use it to mark their dead. Is this just a mere symbol of culture? Does the cross convey authority and dominance over something or someone? There must be some valid reason for the cross, whether it be carved or painted. But might it be just an empty item of devotion? Is it an idol, just another golden calf? In today's odd passage from the book of Numbers, the people of God, they find themselves in a rather tough situation. After fleeing from Egypt and traveling some days in the desert, they begin to complain. They complain five times, to be precise. And the story that we heard today is their last and final complaint. Preacher and author Barbara Brown Taylor, she calls their complaint absurd and seditious. The people of God, they literally have no food and water, yet they say, we detest this miserable food. God doesn't take too well to these grievances. God sends a nest of fiery snakes to bite the people to their senses. The Israelites, they waste no time in repenting their sin. They plead with Moses to intervene. And finally, with Moses' intercession, God instructs a bronze serpent to be cast and placed high upon a pole which any of those who are bitten by the snake just simply look at and are healed. This crafted serpent affixed high on a pole restores health and ultimately life. This sounds a little bit like magic. Just look at this bronze snake and you will live. Worse yet, though, isn't this idolatry? The Ten Commandments state explicitly, Thou shalt not make any graven images unto thee. The bronze snake, it becomes so significant to the people of God that it eventually ends up in their place of worship, the temple. We don't know what the sacred object meant in the temple, or if there was a bronze serpent cult that developed around this image, but it found the way into God's house, where the people of God made offerings to it. We know this because we learn years later in 2 Kings that King Hezekiah, some 500 years after the, the crafting of this serpent, institutes a reform to destroy the idols and the images that 
strained the people's loyalty to God. Thus, the bronze serpent is removed and broken into pieces. Most people don't know that in my pocket, I carry a cross. I take it everywhere I go. It comes with me anytime I leave the apartment. I started carrying this cross whenever I was a sophomore in college. In fact, I have this cross with me in my pocket right now. This cross comes in the form of a rosary, a device that's used by Catholics and Anglicans to guide their prayer. I must be clear, though, I don't use this rosary in its traditional sense. I began to carry this cross in my pocket because I doubted that God was with me each day in my going out and in my coming in. Too often I forgot that God was a part of my life and my actions and fears, they kept God at a distance. But I wanted God to be a little closer so that these fears and actions wouldn't become my life. I needed to, something to remind me that God was with me. So I started to keep this cross in my pocket. This cross has gone with me just about everywhere over the past 10 years. It has gone to parties. It has gone to graduations. It has gone to classes, funerals, weddings, to India, to the grocery store, and with me here in the pulpit. The cross, like the bronze serpent, has the potential for idolatry. What is the function of the cross we see, be it on a gold chain or carved into wood? Is it a charm that is meant to bring good luck or to ward off evil spirits? Has the cross replaced God? When we look at the cross, are we looking at the origin of life itself and brought away from our sin? Our sacred objects and tools of devotion so easily become superstitious talismans, or worse yet, silly pins on the lapels of politicians. On the cross, a human being died for our sake. He was lifted high upon the cross in a mystery, in a mystery that changes life into death the first to the last, and the meek to the powerful. From the cross was hung a criminal who was at the center of God's revelation of love. The cross is the sign of our deliverance. Perhaps, though, it is easier to make the cross a sentimental object, a decoration of pleasant piety. It's natural for our hearts and our minds to avoid things that are painful. The reality of the cross is this. It's offensive. It's threatening and sometimes it's unbearable. To remember 
the truth of the cross is hard work. Yet, remembering the example of Christ hung upon the cross is what we must do. Whenever we see the cross or hold it in our hands or feel its metallic chill on our chest, we must remember Christ and his suffering on the cross. Otherwise, we will continue to crucify people in a rage of idolatry. We must remember Christ on the cross and Christ's suffering. Otherwise, the crucifixion continues. As Christians, we have to keep the memory of the cross on our hearts, on our minds, and even sometimes in our pockets. The cross points us in the way of our hope. The cross traces a dimension of life absent of fear and hate. The cross resists the powers that put Christ there in the first place. The cross is the sign of our deliverance. Look at it and live. Amen.